Hi, welcome to Alchemy of Genres. This is Selena from the South Brunswick Library, and we're continuing our conversation of books, mostly in the genres of fantasy and sci-fi and horror. Um, this time we're leaning heavily into the magic, but mixing it up with a little bit of mystery suspense in a genre or title that I decided on, uh, which is Cops, Crimes, and Criminals in Magic and Fantasy. Because you find a lot of times, even if it's not a straightforward, we're solving a mystery with magic, you get a lot of crossover on um, fantasy using magic as a way to solve a crime or as a way to commit a crime. And it kind of makes sense if you think of a magic as a tool, like a weapon or like extra knowledge and abilities. You know, I'm a martial artist. I have special ability to read body language and to take someone down as my part of being a private investigator. Whereas if I'm a magic user, I have those special abilities that I can use as a tool to thwart crime or to cause a crime and also to take you down and protect myself. And if you establish the magic as either part of the establishment or anti-establishment because it's underground and or the normals don't understand it, anything like that, you end up with magic needing licensing or oversight or someone to control the people doing it and inevitably someone does it wrong or the oversight committee is flawed and full of crime themselves. There's a million ways to play this. So it's really, really cool, I think, all the directions this goes. And if you're someone who really loves a good suspense story, or you just really like mysteries, this might be a gateway, a gateway drug for you. Because it's the only way I'll read a mystery. I'm not really into mystery. I do like suspense, like seat of your pants, oh my god, what's happening next? But I'm not really into detective novels so much. Um... I know some people are on the other side of it. They really don't like the fantasy and the magic part, but they love the solving of a mystery like Agatha Christie or whatever. So uh, this is sort of a good way to dive right in and look at all the ways that you can put a private investigator, mystery, crime, criminal intersection into fantasy. So... It's a little longer of a list than I planned on, but I think it'll be a fun ride. So let's dive in. And I'll start with something that's just kind of a mention, because I've already mentioned the Laurel K. Hamilton, Anita Blake books, but it needs to be mentioned because she is and has become through the course of the books. She started as just a legal vampire executioner, but then folded in as the vampires got more rights uh, through the legal system, she then needed to have more power through the legal system herself. And so she has been for 
quite a while a U.S. Marshal of preternatural crimes. So they have a separate crime unit. And you'll see this in a lot of different books where they have a supernatural crime unit or a preternatural crime unit or an unnatural crime unit. It's usually a specialized unit. Sometimes you'll see universes where the special units are divided by type. So a special fairy magic unit versus a werewolf magic unit, that kind of thing. Um, but in Anita Blake's world, there's just the, the preternatural unit of the U.S. Marshal Service, which is essentially brought in when the crime is really, really bad and they need help catching and killing the criminal because there is no take them to justice because how do you lock up a 2,000-year-old vampire that can tell you to let them go and you do you can't so the solution is basically to give the marshal service uh, for the preternatural crimes full rights as judge jury and executioner to make sure that all is well and take care of the problem and eliminate it with a li minimum of human death and disorder and there's not a lot of oversight either. So it's a little scary if you think about that kind of power. And she does talk about that in the books of how she's essentially not a cop because a cop tries to prevent crime. She's called out to kill people and for a good cause because they're killing people first. But that's essentially her job. And so as she says in her books, which I thought was a great point, that becoming a non-human or preternatural, like a vampire or a were-creature, does not stop you from your intrinsic psychopathic or sociopathic or serial killer ways. It just means that you're not human anymore, and now you have more weapons at your disposal. Uh, she has another series, which is her Mary Gentry series, which deals with a different timeline not as much on the were creatures and the vampires, but more about the fae and magical creatures. And Mary Gentry is a private investigator. In this timeline, the fae fled to the United States after a war had decimated Europe. And part of that was the fairies warring on each other had decimated pieces of Europe. And so they were kicked out. And the only place left for them to go was the United States. So they signed a treaty with Jefferson that basically said, you know, they promised not to be worshipped and they promised not to fight each other. And as long as no one's watching, that's what they do. So Mary is a private investigator. She's also a fairy princess in the sense that she is related to both the Seely and the Unseely court of the Fae. Uh, if for those who don't know, there are in the main legends of fae or fairies or little folk, there are two main courts. The Seely is seen as the light court or the good court, and the Unseely is seen as the dark court or the black court or the evil court. And Mary plays with this idea of what makes good versus what makes evil and the pressures and bloodshed and narcissism that plays on all sides and you kind of need a little bit of a knowledge of the fae to go into it 
but I love the Mary Gentry books because I've always been fascinated with the Fae. So they were really fun. One thing I found common to both of her series that is really a nice foundation she laid is that many, many, many preternatural laws and mores are kept from the traditional authorities. Territory fights, overstepping boundaries, I am the king, you will do what I say, and if you don't, I will punish you. All of these things are kept on the down low because you don't want necessarily the cops to know that you locked that guy in a cross and uh, holy bounded coffin to keep them starving but alive as a punishment for killing three people that you weren't supposed to admit that they killed so or for just revolting against you and you said no I'm going to keep you alive but you don't get to be the king I'm the king or the queen so it's really interesting as a U.S. Marshal or for Mary Gentry as a private investigator to walk both sides they have to be aware of the human laws and not give away the things that are happening underground but still enforce the laws or at least appear to uphold them. And it's a fun dance. Holly Black, who writes a lot of young adult novels, has a great series called the Curse Worker series. And the first one is called White Cat. It's actually set in New Jersey, which is fun. And the in this world, magic isn't called magic. It's called cursing. And it's called curse work if you're a magic worker. And... In this series, the main characters are magic users, but because magic or curse work is illegal, it basically is sort of like a prohibition era type thing where everyone is involved in magic is involved with a mob or a mafia of some kind because that's the only way to practice it and be safe, relatively speaking, because mobs... So Cassell believes that he murdered his best friend when he was 14, and he doesn't remember it. He keeps seeing weird things now. He's 17, and he started sleepwalking again. And the book starts with him sleepwalking. He wakes up. He's on the roof of his boarding school in Princeton, and he doesn't know how he got up there. And everyone thinks he's suicidal and he's like, no, I was sleepwalking. I don't know what happened. But every time he dreams, he keeps seeing this white cat and he doesn't understand where it comes from or what it has to do with anything. Because of the sleepwalking incident, he's told to leave school for a while for his mental health and to make sure he's okay. And as he starts looking into his family and his the friend who was lost and all the mob ties and the things that are in his life, he starts to unravel the mystery of who this white cat is, why he keeps dreaming about it, and also what happened to him and his family when he was 14 because it changed everything in his family when he was 14. So I love that Mar- that uh, Holly Black in the series has this great immediate um, 
cost to magic. For instance, uh, Cassell's grandfather is a is a mob hitter. He can kill you with a touch. But every time he kills someone, a piece of him dies. So he's lost the tips of all of his fingers. Some people lose hair. Some people lose teeth. A piece of your body dies if you kill someone. If you're a magic worker that charms people, then you in turn are affected in some way by the charm. Maybe you force them to fall in love with you, but you in turn fall in love with them as well. Or maybe you become incapable of love. You don't know. Every Everybody has a blowback of some kind. And I found that fascinating because it it plays into the storytelling, but it also just makes for an interesting way of telling the story because you're trying to figure out what everybody does based on what pieces of them are missing and no one walks around without gloves because you need physical contact with someone to ensure magic happens and touching someone without gloves implies a lot of trust because they could do anything to you and you just don't know and I also love that she includes a lot of just basic con work. So it's like, well, I'm running a con or I'm doing a thing. And Cassell is adamant that he has no powers. In fact, it's really one of the things that bums him out. But he's also running a gambling pool in his school illegally and doing other things and knows all about cons and things because it runs in his family, his family all the way back has been connected to crime lords because they're a magic family it makes sense uh okay what do we got fairy of bones and gold by Haley turner this is soulbound series volume one uh this one is the the premise is that magic is tied to your soul and the stronger your soul the more magic you have. So a witch can do things and affect the area around. Mages can use their soul to access ley lines and and deeper magic, but everything still affects your soul. So if you're up against demonic magic, it taints your soul and therefore you have to have it cleansed and bad things can happen and actually scar your soul which is uh plays a part in the story as well patrick collins is a an agent of the supernatural operations agency which is sort similar to like fbi and cia it's a federal agency and jonathan devere is a werewolf and in this universe werewolves and all were creatures actually are divided into regular pack and god pack. God pack are discriminated against because of the implication that they could be possessed by a god and so and they have different colored eyes and it just makes them easier to spot. And no one talks really about why that is that they're discriminated against it's just a thing so if I'm a regular werewolf I can pretend to be human if you can't smell me or tell me magically you wouldn't know but Jonathan has the eyes that say he is a god pack member and the fates intervene as Patrick is called to New York City and 
they tell him that he and Jonathan have to stay together in order to solve this case. And the they are fighting Patrick's father, who is an evil mage, and he wants to be a god, so he's going to try and kill gods and or anyone of power so that he can become one. And Patrick is a weapon because blood is a backdoor in because anything his father does he can break because they share the same bloodline and I love the relationship that Patrick and Jonathan share they are struggling Patrick more so than Jonathan but both of them are struggling with their own issues and the issues that the gods are throwing at them and the crimes that they're trying to solve and just growing a relationship between the two of them. And it's a really fun story. There are four or five of them so far and I can't wait to read more of them because I really enjoyed them. Jennifer Blackstream has her Blood Trials series. First one is called Deadline. Shade Renard is a witch. She wants to be a PI. She wants to feel like she's giving back more than just regular witch stuff where you're helping a local community. She wants to feel like she's helping the greater good. Her, her mentor isn't so sure that that's a good mission, but Shade is sure. And her first case involves working with a vampire to find a stolen book. And she quickly finds out that anyone else who took the case died very quickly. So she has to not die and find out who stole this book from him and why someone would steal this book and why they would kill for it. So in this case, you have a lot of... It's definitely... The magic is there, but the humans don't want to believe. So you have... Every once in a while, someone will come along that will fi figure something out or they were attacked by a creature that they just can't explain away and they open their eyes and notice the magic around them. But for the most part, they're just blind. Also, I love that her familiar is a tiny pixie, which is awesome because <laughs> she gets into all kinds of trouble. Uh, I did talk about in the first one of my podcasts, the John's Mysteries series, as well as Max Marvelous... Um, Oh, goodness. Max Marvelous is something. Anyway, it's A.J. Sherwood. That There's two series together. In John's Mysteries, just as a reminder, they are fun. He John is a psychic who works with the cops and the feds, but he's actually in a separate agency that someone can hire to help find a, uh, solve a crime. There's a variety of psychics of different kinds that work in his agency and they partner with the police or the feds to solve a crime for instance uh his one of the people in the office it does uh she touches it and she can figure out where something is through her various magics he is a reader so he can read your aura and he can do more than just say oh you're a good person he can literally see a lot of the interactions and the things that have happened to you and it's really cool and it's a it's a male male romance and and it's not deep but it's fun so highly recommended 
and also again working with within the law and in this case it's not involving non-humans it's just paranormal and psychic abilities but they're incorporated into the federal government they actually have a the side series that deals with Brandon's brother or Brandon who is the brother of Donovan in the John series he has he works with uh, mediums and they're solving ghosts and exorcisms and crimes of that nature uh, so it's kind of two parallel universes and but they're all in the same two parallel series I should say in the same universe just dealing with different types one is more criminal based and the other is more ghost and and otherworldly based but still really fun and very light this is not something to be taken seriously but there is some there is some sex there is some fun and romping be aware Alice Winters is an author that I have recently discovered and she has a variety of different things. The one that I'm going to talk about right now is the VRC, which is Vampire Related Crimes. And the book is How to Vex a Vampire. And in this universe, vampires have their own unit of investigation in the police force, the VRC. So if it's a human crime committed by a human, then the human cops solve it. If it's a vampire crime solved by vampires, the vampires solve it. Presumably, but they don't talk about it if you're a different magical creature like a werewolf then maybe those would come in from a werewolf the term excuse me uh police unit but they don't talk about it because this one's centered on the vampire so finn is a human cop and he wants to work with the vrc and he convinces them to give him a chance as a trial mostly by being annoying and keeping asking and knowing people within the unit uh through family ties so one of the things that I really enjoyed about this, there's, there is a romance going on there. Finn and Marcus. Marcus is a vampire, very old, very much. I don't like humans. They're icky, too fragile, go away. And Finn just really likes Marcus at first because he is trying to work through some personal stuff on his own. And he sees Marcus as a means to an end, but eventually they just like each other. And it's very funny. But one of the fun, interesting angles is that Marcus is missing an arm and a leg, but he has excellent prostheses. I can't say the word, but you know what I mean. He's got these have been designed for him that help him function in a way that not even most people would notice he's wearing them. But it is part of who he is, that trauma of having lost it, forming a romance, being comfortable, getting naked with someone when you're missing pieces of your body and you feel less than. And all of these things are dealt with and it's just an interesting difference and in a great way for it not only to be a male-male romance, but also a male-male romance with someone who is differently abled and has different issues to resolve and self-esteem issues to resolve that aren't something about 
oh look, I have a scar. No, this is something serious that he can't hide that he has to get over and the vampire has to work with him and, and reassure him that he finds him attractive eventually in spite of and because of who he is, not because of or in spite of the pieces that he lost at some point. So I found that a great addition because you don't see a lot of characters that have that. Have that. You see too many, they're, they're all perfect with six-pack abs and stuff, so it's kind of nice. Ilona Andrews has her Hidden Legacy series, and technically Ilona Andrews is a partnership. It's a husband and wife team, but for purposes of this, we'll just say she. The first one in the Hidden Legacy series is Burn For Me, and you have Nevada Baylor, who's a detective slash PI. She usually does, like, you know... I think my husband's cheating on me kind of cases, but she gets roped in to an investigation by a bigger agency that owns the lease on the property that her business is on as well as her personal and her family home is on because they run it out of the same place. So it's basically blackmail. This other agency is like, we don't want to get involved, but somebody has to get involved, so we're going to force you to, and if you die, then too bad, so sad. You have no power. Uh, the mystery is to find a criminal and find out if he actually did the crime he's accused of. And as she's doing this, she meets Connor Mad Rogan, the interesting part of this universe is that there are, it almost lo looks like fiefdoms, like feudal law, because you have houses. The houses are tied to the kind of powers you have. So if you're telekinetic, then you have a particular house, um, but they're tied to the name. So House Rogan is one thing and House whatever is another thing. But you can figure out what their main power sources are based on their history. So a family that always can turn into a giant metal beast, all of their children can probably turn into giant metal beasts. And when they get married, they want to marry someone who will make their giant metal beasts better or more powerful. So there's a lot of arranged marriages. It's all about power struggles. And Nevada knows this. They have a separate council that meets that forms suggestions for laws and congressmen, but everyone knows that people follow it because when you have these magical families that could literally blow up a town or call a cyclone tornado into your town because you made them mad, you tend to treat them with a little bit of, ooh, please don't hurt me. So the police and all the federal agencies, if someone says it's house business, they walk away. They don't ask who died. They don't care. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. House business, you solve it. And that's the world Nevada's in. So she can be blackmailed, but she has no one to call on because it's a house thing. And she has no house. She's not affiliated with a house. And over the course of the investigation Rogan kidnaps her because he thinks she has information and after the two of them meet and fight and struggle they realize they like each other and it turns into a whole thing and it's really great the 
uh, Hidden Legacies series. The first two deal with Nevada, then the next two deal with one of her sisters, and presumably the next two will deal with her other sister. They haven't been written yet. And they're really, really amazing and very romantic. Very much, you know, I fall for you, I can't resist you. Oh. But they're fun and I enjoy them. And her character writing and storylines are always really strong. And that's a really big thing for me when I'm reading. Something a lot of people don't think of is Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz's Odd Thomas series which they actually made, I think, a TV movie about. It was okay, but I've listened to the audiobooks and I've read like the first two or three of the series, and they were really pretty good. Odd Thomas is not a cop, but he has an affinity with the dead, and he secretly helps the cops. He lives in this really tiny town, and he has very strict rules about life because he can't always tell the living from the dead. And so he gets pulled into crimes, usually murders, of when a dead person comes to him and, and shows him where they died or tries to get them him to help them solve the crime. He can't hear them talk because in this world the dead don't talk, but they can communicate in other ways and with feelings, with uh, gestures and facial expressions because he sees them as if they're alive he can even touch them and interact with them so he works with the cops because it's a small town and the head uh, chief of police knows odd to be different and and he helps him not get charged with crimes when he's just happens to be the first person on the scene all the time but he also helps him get out of things because Odd is all by himself. He doesn't have a family. And uh, he's sort of almost like a uncle-father figure, and it's really a great relationship. And the first book is amazing, but the, it will leave you devastated. Be aware. You will cry. I don't care who you are. You're going to cry. Um, the second one was really good. I haven't read the rest of them. I think there's six of them so far. Dean Koontz, people tend to think of him as just a suspense writer or a horror writer, and he delves into a lot of different things. And I would firmly put this into like that magical powers kind of thing, since he has this affinity with the dead that's not really explained. Michelle Sagara with the Chronicles of Elantra. Again, I talked about her series. She, I love this series uh, really a lot. But it brings up this topic of law enforcement here. Kaylin, the main character, is a cop. They're called Hawks in this series. Um, and the Hawks are the main law enforcement in Elantra for her, the, that area. Everything's divided into different areas. Everyone, there are different races of people living together. And when I say races, I mean actual. You have different uh, you have a lion type race that they're not shapeshifters. They're literally human looking sort of mix of human and lion. You have uh, a flying race of people. You have actual dragons. So there are a variety of different types of people and also humans. And the interactions and the in the interests of each of them have issues. Kaylin has a magic from when she 
was a child that she's just starting to unlock, but it's not a magic that most humans have, and it should have killed her, but it didn't. And so the series explores her, but it also explores the world, and there's always a, there's usually some sort of crime involved. There's uh, trying to find a missing child because if Kaylin's involved, there's probably a child in danger. She's a sucker for that. But sometimes it's just about uh, keeping the world from blowing up because some bad thing is coming. So sometimes they get really far off into the fantasy and the magic. But a lot of them start off with someone is missing or someone has killed or something has happened and someone's accused of a crime. Go solve it. And that's so that ties in. Mercedes Lackey, we've already talked about how much I love her. She actually has an older series called the Diana Tregard Investigations. She wrote these in, oh, probably the late 80s, early 90s. Recently, though, in the last four years, she wrote a new one. There was only the trilogy. I could only find it in a used bookstore with a really, really beat up copy. And recently they've come back into print because she printed a new one in the series which is awesome so diana is a witch she's also a guardian who is tasked with protecting the earth and all of its creatures the first book in the diana tregard investigations is called burning water and she is called in to help the police stop an aztec god who's causing havoc and again she's a private investigator but can work with the police they don't always like to admit that magic works but they can't not see it when it's right in front of them. So that's how they deal with that. A series I will bring up just to mention, because if I don't, I will be stoned out of the union of lovers of magic books, because it's kind of a classic, and that's Jim Butcher with the Dresden Files. The first one is called Stormfront. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. It's classic mystery, very noir, which is why I'm not really a fan. It's very, hey, I'm the guy with the hat. You're a dame and you're pretty and I'm going to save you. Wow, all these terrible, tragic things happen and I'm sarcastic talking. Um, but they are well done. They are very well re regarded and they are very lauded in the uh, writing and critics communities alike so Jim uh, Dresden is a magic user and he's always trying to solve crimes and they had a very short-lived TV series it was not so good maybe they'll bring it back who knows and I believe they even made a comic graphic novel adaptation of the first few books so you can check it out if you want to, if you love film noir or that whole genre of, of that 40s feel to things, it'll, it'll work for you. It's not set in the 40s, but it's got that feel to it if you know what a noir f focus is or a point of view, you'll get it. And if you love it, you'll love it. If you don't, you won't. And I think that's just the end of it. But check it out if that's your cup of tea. Devin Monk with the Allie Beckstrom series. The first one is called Magic to the Bone. Allie is called a hound because she can sniff out magic. Magic in this universe is not hidden, but definitely distrusted. A lot of people are like, what, you're magical? Ooh, I don't know about that. So magic 
always has a cost to it and you have to it's sometimes pain related sometimes just exhaustion but there's something a price to pay to make something happen that's supernatural the trick is the bad guys always find a way around it because they'd have to that's why they're bad guys and they off load the cost onto someone else so for instance I can run this terrible spell that would kill me but instead it kills you and so she is working with law enforcement to help those who need help and to figure out and find the people who are using magic and using others to pay the cost and so her skill of sniffing out magic is is a good one and the first one involves someone writing her father's magical signature into things and she has to try and figure out how they managed to do that and and how to trap them and make them stop because that's what you do when you're the good guys you catch the bad guys another thing that might come up because a lot of people who like magical mysteries will bring this up to me i've had a few people do that and that is the lucifer series on tv has a main character who is lucifer who helps a cop solve mysteries the tv series I haven't watched more than one episode of. I need to get over my internal bias because I read the comic series, which was amazing. It's an offshoot of a Sandman character because uh, Neil Gaiman had a whole piece of his Sandman comics series set in hell and dealing with the different angels and the different levels of hell. So you... the. So Mike Carey took the character of Lucifer and took him and he quit and he moved to Earth. He's like, I don't want to be in charge of hell anymore. I, I just don't want any part of it anymore. I'm going to move away. I'm, I'm going to just go away. And the book is more of an exploration of evil versus good, intent versus actuality. It's not about crime solving at all. However, my son has assured me that if I watch the TV series and pretend it's its own thing and has nothing to do with the books, I will enjoy them. So I think that's the attitude I'm going to take, and I might try them. But in case you see the series at your local comic book store and think, ooh, this is that TV series like I saw on Netflix, it's not. It really isn't. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, the Jacoby books by William Ritter are another young adult novel set. So far, there's only a few of them. I think there's three or four. They are really, really good. They are like Sherlock Holmes meets steampunk in that you've got magical explanations and that, that feel to the world and around the time of Sherlock Holmes, but it's not strictly historical fiction. Um, Miss Rook has just arrived in New Fiddleham. She needs employment. Not a lot of people will employ a female with no ties. And she finds a job that she's really excited to have with Mr. Jacoby, who is an investigator of otherworldly crimes. And he is sort of like a Sherlock Holmes. He's very smart and knows a lot of things. But he's also very eccentric. And Miss Rook, through the first story, 
figures out who he is and and he and helps him solve things by just being sort of his Watson to the others uh, Sherlock Holmes it is literally a cool mix of historical fiction mystery and fantasy and even if it's YA it means it's short so it's a quick read it's really captivating and you should check check it out don't discriminate against teen stuff y'all it's good the sentinels of new orleans by um oh the first book is called royal street and the author is suzanne johnson royal street is another urban fiction book meant for adults but I don't know that teens wouldn't have a problem with it. It's not really um, overtly sexy or anything like that. It just wasn't published for teens. It is set in New Orleans directly after Katrina. And the hurricane has opened all the portals between this world and the other where the dead historical figures, both imagined and real, exist. The wizard in charge of the city has disappeared. And his apprentice, Drusilla, is trying to find him and also keep the others from tearing the city apart. She has been assigned an enforcer, Alex, who is supposed to help her find where her mentor went and also help keep the peace with lethal force. The two of them immediately rub each other the wrong way, and as the story progresses, you can see the chemistry at work. I really enjoy this. It, it really was a fun book. It was fantastical adventure, lots of suspense, a little bit of magic. Uh, possible romance, and also ghostly pirates who are cute and adorable, but fierce, because pirates. It's just, it's a recipe for fun. It's not a serious book, like some of these others on the list. But again, she's an enforcer. She's not with the cops. It's a separate magical enforcement agency that works on its own outside of human knowledge picture harry potter and the magical um enforcement branch it's the same idea and that is everything for now there's a lot of really good stuff out there i could not have mentioned everything and i felt like i didn't want to overwhelm you and I hope I didn't overwhelm you with all of the things out there but I just really found it fascinating the intersectionality of crimes and criminals and whether magic is legal or not legal whether being a werewolf is a demon creature or not whether demons are okay or they are definitely not okay what kind of magic is acceptable, what kind is not. Everything varies. Even if you know a lot about, say, vampires and werewolves and things, each author can create their own universe with their own rules. That's the love and joy of, mis of a fantasy universe with magic. You can put it in any box that you want, or you can throw away the box and make your own container. And yet, they ground it with this knowledge of human nature and how people will hurt each other for perceptions of ill deeds or I'm better than you or 
I know more than you, so you're less than me, or fear, and all of those human emotions that still pervade even in the otherworldly magical realms. And I find that fascinating. So, again, I hope you enjoyed this. And feel free to pass it along and tell your friends and neighbors and have them listen as well. Thank you for spending some time with me. And I will see you around. And next time, I promise we'll get hardcore into some sci-fi. We'll look at some aliens and interactions with aliens in a lot of different ways. It'll be fun. So, thanks again. And have a good night.